Good morning. morning. It's good to see you today. Cold fall day. Feels like winter, and we're close to winter time, but we appreciate so much your presence. We're going to be looking today at Matthew chapter 26. I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to be talking today about legacy. And what we want to talk about specifically has to do with us individually. What kind of legacy will we leave behind? And so I want you to think about that for a minute or two in our study today. Whether we realize it or not, we are all carving out a legacy. And by that I simply mean the things that we do, the things that we say in this life, those are things that people will remember about us long after we're gone. It's really interesting as you begin to examine life and the brevity of life and all the blessings that come with living in this world. And to know that in large part we are writing a book. At some point in time we will write the concluding chapter. The question will then be asked, what was your legacy? What will people remember most about you? I was thinking yesterday or the day before about when I was in elementary school. I had a sixth grade teacher that, in my mind, personified everything about teaching. I've had the opportunity to sit at the feet of some very well-educated people, as you have. I have known people that have been very eloquent in their presentation of the knowledge they possessed. I have had the opportunity to be associated with a lot of people. But in my heart of hearts, this man personified to me what teaching was all about. He made the classroom fun and exciting, challenging. When you were successful, he would reward you. If you stepped out of line, he would correct you. He was an amazing man, still alive today. And in my mind, by way of tribute, probably one of the best I've ever seen. In Matthew chapter 26, we have an account of a lady by the name of Mary. She and her siblings, Lazarus and Martha, along with the Lord and His disciples, are in the home of a leper, a man by the name of Simon. They're in Bethany, just a few miles, a couple of miles, outside the city of Jerusalem. And we're now in the final days of the life of Jesus. And it's under the shadow of the cross that this lady does something very unusual, which I think really demonstrated the tremendous affection and love that she had for the Lord. This single act of devotion in many ways, defined her 
as a person and has left behind a legacy unmatched in so many ways. What I want to do is unpack the text with you. I want you to look with me at Matthew 26. What I'd like for us to do is to just examine this text and then make some application. So pick up with me in verse 7. The text tells us that a woman, this woman, as I mentioned a moment ago, was Mary. She came to Jesus having an alabaster flask, a very costly, fragrant oil. So number one, I want to talk for a moment or two about the cost of her gift. Now, the text tells us that the liquid that she anointed the Lord with was contained in an alabaster flask. Some have said that this would have been a marble container. Inside that container was a very expensive perfume, aromatic, had a very pleasant smell to it, derived from herbs. Now, in another of the text, parallel passages, we have Judas Iscariot placing a monetary value on this oil. A year's wages, 300 denarii. I would assume from this that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were people of financial means. They were not poor people. And so she comes to Jesus and in a very humble and unique way takes this flask and breaks it and then pours the contents of that flask on the head of Jesus. And she begins to anoint him. Now, note what the text says. In verse 8, there were some critics specifically Judas Iscariot. When his disciples saw it, they were indignant. And they said, to what purpose is this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now note if you would, in Mark's account, in chapter 14, if I recall correctly, they criticized her sharply. They did not like the fact, or Judas didn't like the fact, that she would take this costly oil or perfume and pour it on the body of Jesus. Now if you read John chapter 12, you find out that Judas had been embezzling money. He was the keeper of their financial resources. The text tells us that he was a thief. So they criticized this lady. And then look, if you would, at verse 10. Jesus, being aware of it, said, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. 
So now we have the cause for this gift. She recognized something that quite possibly a lot of the apostles didn't necessarily see. That the life of Jesus was coming rapidly to a close. Now she did this spontaneously, individually, lovingly, and willingly. Why do you think she did it? I think she did it because she loved Jesus. And she wanted to do something that would pay tribute to Him and their association, their friendship. Now note if you would. Here's what Jesus said. Again, for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, you did it for my burial. And then verse 13, the commendation. Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So what Jesus is saying here by way of commendation is that in future generations, people are going to preach about this act. They're going to talk about it. And what she did will stand the test of time. It will be a living legacy to this great woman. Now, we could go back and talk about Again, the reasoning why she did this. And the fact that, I have no question, she loved the Lord. And she was sympathetic to His work, to His plight, to His purpose on planet Earth. She recognized that in doing this, she could pay tribute to the, to the one that we call the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the human family. Now, as you live in this world, you are literally carving out a legacy for how you will be remembered. Now, it's in that context that I want you to think about something for a minute. There was a window of opportunity that opened for Mary to do this. That window would close very soon because Jesus would die. You remember in John chapter 9, Jesus had earlier said, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. The Lord knew that He was on a divine timeline and ultimately His time would come to an end here on planet Earth. That the work of redemption would be consummated on the cross and then three days later by way of resurrection the resurrection. So here is this window of opportunity that has opened. And Mary seizes that opportunity to do something good for the Lord. Now I want you to think about your own life. There are opportunities that present, the, that present themselves to you on a daily basis, weekly basis, regularly basis. Some of those windows will open and then close, and they will never reopen. You have one shot, one chance. Well, imagine that some of, I, some of us here today 
have had loved ones in the past that were facing a critical hour. They were about to slip from this life. And rather than taking the time to go see them, we defer, and in our mind we say, I'll check on them tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month. And they're gone. And that window of opportunity closed forevermore. I remember the last time I talked to my grandmother on the telephone. She had been having a series of many strokes. When I talked to her the weekend before she died, I remember her voice was slurred, and I knew that she wasn't well, but it never dawned on me that she would leave this world, and she did. I never got to say, in some sense of the word, goodbye. Gone forever. The church here in Olive Branch, there is a window of opportunity for us to do good. And sometimes we take for granted opportunities that are before us. Sometimes we have no idea the wealth of opportunities that we have. And we squander those opportunities. And that window closes, and for all intents and purposes, we are done. And we don't even know it. I have seen congregations in this area. I'm talking about the Mid-South area. When I came to town, we're flourishing, doing well. Some sadly imploded from within and are no more. Others, because of attrition and other reasons, are literally fighting for their spiritual lives. It'll only be a matter of time when the doors are closed and they're done. At some point in time, the door may close in this community. And God's going to hold us accountable as to whether or not we do for Him what we can do. Now, Mark said in his account of this that in spite of their criticism, Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. And then he said, she has done what she could. If we do not do what we can do and what we must do, don't even think for a minute the Lord won't hold us accountable. We are all accountable for this work, every single one of us. And so we have a tremendous opportunity. We have a stewardship. And if we blow it and that window closes... That'll be a sad thing. It'd be terrible to think that the Lord's work in this community didn't thrive. God put us in the wealthiest county in this state. And my question is, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with the opportunities God has given us? 
Have we buried our talent out in the front lawn here? We can do that. We can bury our talent. And we can be satisfied with just getting by. Is that what God wants? So what about your legacy? How will your family remember you as a mother? Will your children rise up and call you blessed as they did in Proverbs 31 concerning the worthy woman? Will they talk about what a tremendous influence you were in their life? And how that despite what the world had to say, they knew you had their back. And that you loved them unconditionally. Stood by them, taught them, mentored them, encouraged them. What will your children say about you as a mother? What will your, what will your wife say about you as a husband? Does she see in you somebody that loves you as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Do you have that kind of love for your mate? And when your life comes to an end and your wife is left behind possibly, will she say of you, he was a great, he was a great blessing in my life. Bless my life. Help me. What about your husband? What will he say about you as a wife? Will he say that you were the kind of wife that was spoken of back in Proverbs 31 when he said she will do him good and not evil all the days of his life standing by your man family is an important thing isn't it might be the case that we do not fully understand what the family is all about those little children that are in the home, they'll be grown and gone before you know it. You have a window of opportunity to influence them for good, to mentor them, to train them, to point them in the direction of heaven. But at some point in time, that window's going to close and they'll be gone. So what kind of legacy will you leave behind as, as a parent, as a child, whether young or old? What kind of legacy are you leaving behind in the minds of your parents? Do you honor what they say? Do you honor them as your mom and dad? Are you obedient to them? Are you submissive in the home? Do you thank God for what they've done for you? All those material blessings that you enjoy on a regular basis, you know where that comes from? Ultimately, it comes from the hand of God. But those great blessings are a result of your mama and daddy and the work that they do on a daily basis. They don't begrudge that at all. So, family. What about your friends? What will your friends say about you? Solomon wrote many years ago, talking about 
the importance of choosing the right kind of friends. In Proverbs 27, he said, As iron sharpens iron. The friends that you have, have you made, have you made them better? Have you been the kind of friend that they can one day look back upon and say, you know what, he or she was there every time I needed him or her. They stood beside me. They made me a better person. You can do that. Did you know that? There are people that have made my life better, richer, because of their influence, their association, and that's the way life's supposed to be. What about your faith? Again, we talk about the legacy that we leave behind. What kind of faith do you have? When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt in his life. But he said that faith first began in his grandmother Lois, then in his mother Eunice, and then he would go on to say, and I am persuaded in you also. Will it be said of you one day, that you are a person of great faith. Oh yeah, you faced some tough times. And you had your battles and adversities and trials and tribulations. And there were times in life when maybe you didn't understand exactly what was going on and how things would play out. But through all of that, you demonstrated resolve, faith in Almighty God. You kept your eyes on Jesus, as the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And you sought to the best of your ability to live a life by faith. When a person dies who's in Christ, there's really no need to talk about all the great things that they've done because for the most part, we know what they've done, don't we? We don't have to talk about their great faith because they lived it. They demonstrated that on a daily basis. So what about you? Will it be said of you that you had the faith of an Abraham, the faith of a Sarah, the faith of a Noah, the faith of an Esther? Will it be said of you? Will it be said that you had the faith of a Mary, that you did what you could wherever you could, as long as you could, and to whom you could. And then what about your focus in life? You know, there are some people that I would imagine if we called their name, automatically we would link their name to a certain thing. Whether it be athletics, entertainment, it might be in the realm of writing. I mean, there are a lot of people that are associated with a lot of things in this life. And we, we see how focused they were in the business world, in the athletic realm, in the arts, etc. So where's your focus? Is your life all about just making money? Just grinding out every day? I mean, is that what life's all about? Is it about trying to get more for yourself, store up riches on earth? I mean, is that what it's all about? Is it about engaging in your favorite hobby? I mean, that's all you talk about. That's all you think about. 
whether it be golf, hunting, fishing, some other form of recreation. I mean, is that what life's all about? Look, there are people, and quite frankly, you name it, whatever the hobby might be, that's what their life's all about. So, what about your focus in life? What do people equate your name to or with? Are you, as Jesus said, seeking first the kingdom of God? Are you setting your affections on things above? I can think of two people in my mind right now. But if I were to boil down their life and their life's work, I'd sum it up in three words. Servants of Jesus. These folks lived it day by day by day. They were the Marys of their day and time. Some point in time, you're going to write that final chapter. You can't go back and rewrite history, can you? What's done's done. Some good, some bad, some not so good. So when you think about what you have written thus far in your life, the legacy as it stands, 2022, what's your legacy right now? Will it be said of you, as was said by the Lord of Mary, he or she did what she could. I mean, you lived it. You love the Lord. Look, you, when you look at the life of Mary, we talk about the cost of this gift. Love costs us something, doesn't it? One of the reasons maybe why we're not as plugged in and maybe why we're not where we ought to be spiritually is because we just don't love like we should. Love is costly. Jesus loved us, went to the cross. Greater love has no man than this, and a man laid down his life for his friends. This lady sacrificed something incredibly valuable because she loved the Lord and she believed that in doing that, that would pay tribute to the greatest man that's ever lived, the Son of God. So today I want to leave you with a question. What kind of legacy will you leave behind? I hope and pray that it will be positive. That it will be said of you, look, when it's all said and done, and we leave this world, the only thing that really matters is to be a faithful Christian. As the Hebrew writer said, they live by faith, but they died in faith. Let that be said of us, that we're going to be with the Lord. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Mary believed that. And then to act upon that, to demonstrate an obedient faith. Well, how do you do that? You respond to the gospel. You are willing to lay aside the world, to repent of the past, to confess the greatest name known to man, Jesus, the Son of God. To be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away and then you can begin living that Christian life. Serving the Lord day by day. The Bible tells us that those who live for the Lord
They're going to hear the words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Might be that you're here today. Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe your life is not where you want it to be. The beauty of life is that we can make choices that will determine destiny. I want to ask you in closing this question. What kind of future do you have? It comes down to your legacy. Will it be said that you lived a life of faith and that faith was directed toward God and that the ultimate goal of your life was to one day be with God in heaven? To enjoy that inheritance that's described by Peter as incorruptible, undefiled, he said, faith's not away and it's reserved in heaven for you. Is that the thrust of your life? Is that the future that you have before you? Won't you come as we stand and sing?